Hey, and welcome to the Rally Podcast. We're stoked that you're here. We hope that this would be a tool to help you pursue the presence of God, people, and the ways of Jesus. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy. Well, hey, welcome everyone. I'm so excited for today's conversation. I am joined by Pastor Jabin Chavez. Uh, He is a father, a husband, and leading City Light Church in Las Vegas. And man, so thankful for you taking time to sit with us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, Uh, honored to be here. It's 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 an honor, man. I uh, I've I've had the chance as an Australian to to be be to your city in Las Vegas, and so I would love to hear from you as a resident of Las Vegas. Maybe people have have watched The Hangover, Ocean's Eleven. Who knows? (laughs) Seeing your city, what is it? Casino. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. What is it like residing and living in Las Vegas? You know, uh, I think it's more normal than people would think. Like yeah. when they, especially when they come visit our church and they get into the suburbs and they're like, oh, it's like a normal city. And it's like, yeah, yeah, we're pretty normal. So, you know, it's 2.2 million people. It's pretty big. And um, I love it. I mean, it's the desert. It's hot, hot, hot in the summer. But, uh, Honestly, it feels pretty normal. Obviously, the strip is crazy yep. for everyone who's been out there. Yep. But um, yeah, the people are awesome. I think uh, it's a unique town. It's a melting pot. They say that Vegas is what America will look like in 2060. Okay. So the diversity of Vegas is what America will catch up to mm-hmm. in the next 40 years. So incredibly diverse and it's a lot of fun. That's I love awesome. it, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm really excited to have a conversation. I really just unpack some of your story and some yeah. of your journey. Um, and, and I just wanna say that for people leaning into this conversation that, that they may be listening and thinking, man, I wanna catch a vision and, and, and get a dream for what my life could look like. And, yeah. and I really think your story can re- be a real testament yeah. to people in just what you've seen God do in and through your life. And um, I would love to hear from you and you're leading this great and amazing church, but I'm sure that it, it hasn't just happened overnight. Yeah, yeah. This has been a journey and God's spoken right. over a period of time. And so I would love for you to just unpack some of this journey of maybe it was a time when you felt God speak to you about planning a church or maybe there was a journey over a period of time and what does that look like over a period of time? Yeah, I mean, I think that probably for younger people thinking about, you know, God's will for their life, I think the biggest thing that you have to be committed to is actually the journey, actually how much time it takes, how much, you know, I felt like, okay, so I got saved in 98 before some of these people watching this weren't even born yet. Got saved in 98. I got called into ministry in 2000. That's when I really knew I want to preach and I want to pastor people. I knew it then. Uh, Was leading worship, but did not plant our church till 2018. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're talking about 20 years after salvation that I planted the church and, and really now feeling like I'm walking in you know, what God initially called me to when I was a teenager. But the journey, I think, is more important than the destination. I think when we talk about destiny and that whole idea, I think it's awesome. I think God has a plan for your life, has a purpose for your life. He has a dream for your life. He has a good, you know, he's written the days of our life in a book. It's all good. Uh, What we don't realize is that the journey to get there is probably 99% of the whole thing. And so it's when God develops you, it's when God works on you. So I think the, the first thing I would tell people is they seem to be patient and embrace it, not as 
a necessary evil, but actually as what makes the whole thing awesome. Mm -hmm. Because if you ever do step into what you might think is your calling or your destiny or whatever, I don't know, whatever you want to use as your term, uh, if you didn't let God do what he wanted to do during that time, you're probably just going to mess it up on the other side anyway. Yeah. So embrace the private moments, embrace the private journey, embrace the development period mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I, I would have never thought that I would be 34 planting a church. I thought I'd have been doing that by late 20s or, mm-hmm. you know, at least by 30. Um, and yet I thank God that I'm, I'm so grateful for all the pauses and the no's along the way. Yeah that set me up for where I am right now. And so, cause I feel so much more equipped to handle uh, the pressure, to handle the, you know, the burden, to handle the blessing, to handle all of it now. And I, I look back 10 years ago and I go, man, I would not have been ready. Yeah. And so the development is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so now contextually, as you, have you been through this development journey, is, yeah. is what, what does life look like for you now in the context and, and your church and the yeah. people and everything that you're leading? Yeah, so I, uh, I started leading worship when I was 13. Mm-hmm. Started playing guitar when I was 10, started leading worship when I was 13. I got saved at 15. So I was the worship leader at the camp that Amazing. I got saved at. That's what it- <laughs> so that was awesome yeah. uh, and awkward, as I had to admit to everyone, you know. <laughs> Because it was like a response time. So yeah, that was me. I just got saved. Uh, But it was incredible. Um, I started, I became a youth pastor at 25. And then at 28, I started traveling full time. And that was a really great time in our lives. And then obviously at 34, we planted. So um, yeah, three years ago now, we planted City Light Church in Vegas. Uh, We left California, moved to Vegas and planted the church with a six-month-old baby. Amazing. And my wife and uh, and I say we planted because we we did and mm-hmm. uh, my wife really is the kind of the brains not kind of is the brains of our operation yeah. and really runs the church day to day and uh, has given me the ability to you know do what I do but um, yeah so we we planted uh, it's been amazing to see what God's done and. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's been an awesome journey, but I'm, I'm so grateful to go into it a little later than I thought I would. And kind of going back to question one and two, I think just patience is so the name of the game mm-hmm. and it's such a key and it will make everything you do, if, if you'll embrace it, every time you embrace something, uh, every time you embrace a season, that you don't love, but you embrace it for what God's doing in your life, it just makes the next season that much better. And I always think back to Jesus. Uh, John 13 said, Jesus knew all authority had been given to him. The Father gave him all authority. He had all authority and he knew it. And the Bible says, and with that knowledge, he bowed down and washed the feet of the disciples. So it's like, you're always gonna feel bigger than your season. Mm. And you actually have to learn how to embrace that. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus was bigger than a servant, right? He was, he was, he was the almighty God should have been on a throne. Instead, he's on his knees, washing the feet of the disciples. And there should always be something in you that says, I know there's more, but I'm fully embracing this moment, whether it's college, whether it's, uh, whether it's being a barista, whether it's, you know, making 
part-time money, what, you know, whatever it is, you're, you embrace that season for what God's doing in you. You embrace the challenge. You embrace the smallness, but in a way that God is developing you. And then anytime God increases your life, you're ready for it. Yeah. Because you, you proved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know even in my life of, of, of my personal journey of coming, coming from Australia and moving to the States yeah. and feeling like I wanna be a part of what God's doing in and through this church. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I find myself working as a laborer, yeah. uh, helping build a house, which, which was humbling, but it was like, I wanna be a part of what God yep. is doing and God's getting something in and through me. And totally. then all of a sudden spending a year working as a car salesman, it's like, I thought I came here for pastoral yeah, ministry. Yeah. But it's like, I, I look back on that season of my life and I'm like, I'm so thankful for yep. it because of everything God did in me. Yep. And honestly, for intimacy in, in, our, in our relationship. Yep. And so I'd love to ask you, as you look back over your journey, and, you, and, and I'm sure there's see, different seasons through yep. your life, would you, would you speak to any attributes or things that you're like, man, I got these particular things through waiting, through embracing, yeah. that now I carry with me today? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, I think the biggest thing that I had to learn how to do is I had to learn how to work. And I think work is such an important thing that every young person has to learn. Uh, the Bible says it's good for a young man to carry his yoke in his youth. There's something about in the early days of your life, in your 20s, I believe that you should give your 20s to somebody. Get, like give your 20s to the kingdom of God. Give your 20s to the local church. Give your 20s to service. Give your 20s, learn how to work hard. Learn how to work a job and then serve at the church and drive Uber and you know what I mean? Like learn how to work. I developed such a work ethic in my 20s that has paid so much dividend now at 37. Uh, I just learned how to love work. I learned how to embrace work. I learned how to see work as, as a blessing and not a curse. You know, God gave Adam the garden to work. Before he gave him Eve, yeah. before there was sin, before there was a curse, before the devil ever did anything, God gave Adam a job. And so God does not see work as a curse. He doesn't see, um, he doesn't see, and he said, I will bless the work of your hands. And so not, he doesn't just bless ideas. He doesn't just bless visions. He blesses work. It's something that God is into. And so I would say that for, for young adults watching this, to learn how to embrace that grind, learn how to get busy. Like you're not, you're not gonna burn out. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, but if you get idle, man, you're probably gonna get in trouble. Yeah. So I'm always telling 20-year-olds, like, don't worry about burning out. I don't even know, I don't know where we get that yeah. terminology. But yeah, maybe, yeah. In your, maybe as you get older and you got kids yeah. and you got to learn how to pace different. Mm-hmm. But man, when you're young, go hard. Yeah. And, and learn how to just live every moment for something bigger than you, something greater than you, something that's leaving legacy, something that's going to bless you in the future. And so I think I learned that in my 20s. Can't fully explain how, other than, you know, my wife and I got married at 20 and 22 and neither of us came from money. So it was kind of like, this better work. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I guess I better work. I'm going this better this work, thing. so I guess yeah. I better work. So we just learned. We learned how to work two jobs. I learned how to, uh, we just learned how to make money. We learned how to embrace every season while doing ministry. We learned how to serve God's church and, and our local church. All of those things have paid off. Now, you know, to this day, now we're uh, 37 and 35 and we have, four streams of income and we're still 
you know, we obviously pastor our church, but we do things like this and we have other companies and, mm-hmm. and, and we love it. And now they kind of, on, you know, on this side, some of those things actually work for us, mm-hmm. right? And have become more passive in our income. But, but I learned those principles young mm-hmm. and I started working them young. And then I think people might see me now and go, you know, uh, well, that's easy for you to say, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't easy for me to say, Mm -hmm. but I did it. And because I carried that yoke in my youth, it's, you know, now we're seeing the fruit of it all these years later. And I think you just have to be focused on that future. Mm -hmm. Who do I want to be? Where do I want to be? Yeah. And and you live for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's powerful. I would love you love to hear you press and, and even uh, get, bring some healthy challenge to it to a young adult who's listening yeah. to this like man okay I want to work I want to go for it yeah. but maybe maybe the lens isn't really through for Jesus b- building the local church bringing right. His kingdom what would you say to yeah. someone of of why number one for your own soul health it is so important to be a part of something that's bigger than you to see the world through a bigger lens, to see the world through need, to see the world through ministry, to see the world through, and the Apostle Paul said, he said, we've been, we have received this ministry. In other words, we're all called to ministry. We're all called to the ministry of reconciliation, where we all are jars of clay that have this treasure on the inside of us. And so it's important for you to embrace something that's bigger than you, serve something that's bigger than you, uh, it, it will make you bigger. It will make you better. It will teach you generosity. It will teach you sacrifice. Proverbs 11 in the message says, the world of the generous is getting larger and larger. That doesn't mean bigger houses, bigger cars, bigger yeah. bank accounts. It means it means a bigger capacity, bigger spirit, bigger heart, bigger mind. We always say at, at our church, I want Goldie, my, my daughter, I want her to live in a big house. We're not talking about square footage. We're talking about big dreams, big prayers. Right. And I learned that by serving something that was bigger than me. And if you put a shark in a uh, aquarium, it's gonna be eight inches because mm-hmm. it can't outgrow its, its, yep. its environment. You put that same shark in the ocean, it'll grow eight feet. And so the reason why it's so important for young adults to serve in God's house, especially like a new spring that's so big and vast, and, and, and it's not that big is always better, but the greatness of what God has placed on this church, that's gonna make you bigger, better, smarter, wiser. It's gonna cause you to dream. So it's, it's good for you, number one, just good for you. It's actually, it's almost selfish, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just good for you. Yeah. Uh, number two, we're, that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. We are here for this very short amount of time and we have to do something with it. Mm-hmm. And I love what Jesus said in Luke 18 where, he says, let me, let me give you a picture of, of how this is all gonna work in the end or, or, or how I see this. And he said, it's like a, it's like a master who gives 10 of his servants uh, an amount of money. And he said, now occupy till I come or work this until I come back or steward this until I come back. In other words, God gives us time. He gives us talent. He gives us giftings. He gives us a, an anointing, a, a destiny, spiritual gifts, all these things, relationships. He gives us opportunity. He gives us this moment and he says, now do something with it. Mm-hmm. Occupy, do work it to the best of your ability. And so it's, it's truly God's will to do that both in the marketplace, in, in, in church, in family. 
that I see everything, everything in my life is a gift from God and I'm stewarding it. Mm-hmm. And whether I'm here for 50 years or 80 years or 100 years or, or whatever, uh, I am here to steward the thing that God put on the inside of me. And then that is my gift back to God. So everything God gives me is his gift to me. What I do with it is my gift back to God. And that's what I'm gonna have to answer to God for. Mm-hmm. What did I do with everything he gave me? And so I live my life like that, not just as a preacher, but as a Christian. And so I happen to have this gift to communicate and, and, and do some ministry things on a platform. And so that's one of the ways that I give back to God, but I do it through finances. I do it through the way I treat people. I do it through the way I, I'm a husband to my wife and a father to my daughter and how I'm a friend. Mm-hmm. Everything that I do, I see as stewardship. And I'm grateful that I started embracing that at 20 because uh, I think it's a lot harder to embrace it for you. I was just talking to a friend. Um, we had lunch, and he's about 45, really, uh, um, really successful business guy. And uh, he slammed a check on the on the table. We were at lunch, and he goes, "This is really hard." And I go, "What? What is that?" And he goes, "That's my first tithe ever." Wow. And he goes, "Man, this is painful." And I looked at the check and I went, oh, I see why it's painful. It's a lot of money. And he goes, I wish I would have started this when I was 20. Wow. Because then as my finances grew, this wouldn't be so scary. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I'm so terrified to tithe because I never, I never learned it then. And now I'm learning it and it's so much more money and it's so much, I'm thinking about retirement. I'm thinking about, and he's like, oh, how I wish I would have lived a life of faith when I first got saved, you know. And that's just one of the things and I always, I always joke with young adults. I'm like, y'all better learn to tithe now when you're making, <laughs> you know, minimum wage because yeah. one day when you're making, yeah, it's a lot easier to tithe off of, you know, 20,000 a year yeah. than, you know. And, you know, and young people roll their eyes. And go, no, I'll, I'll, I'll tithe when I can afford it. Yeah. No, you won't because the, the, the zeros just keep growing, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'll, I'll, you know, I'll serve in church when I have more time. You'll never have more time. Yeah. Eventually, you just have to make the move. It's never going to be ideal circumstances to obey God, to serve God, to surrender to God, um, to live for God. It's always going to be like Peter, I'm on a boat and I'm about to take a step of faith out on the water. It's never ideal. It's never right, Mm -hmm. but it's always right because Jesus is out on the water. Mm -hmm. So I'm constantly living in that. And, And it's not that, it's any more convenient for me now at 37. I've just trained my faith muscle enough that obedience is easier. Yep. I mean, this is taking way too long. I'm answering along. It's powerful. This is really so long, but, but you know what I mean? It's that my faith muscles are stronger. Mm-hmm. It's not easier yep. in this, or it's not more ideal. It's not better timing. Yep. It's just that I have more reps in now. Mm-hmm. So obedience becomes, and I'm, and I'm grateful that I embrace that young mm-hmm. by the grace of God. Thank you, Jesus. And, yeah. and thank you, whoever was in my life that spoke that into me. But um, this, is, this is such a perfect time to completely surrender to the Lord, yeah. walk with the Lord. And because we're, we're, where you are going, you're going to need him. <laughs> yeah. 
So. One, of, one of the prayers for, for, for Rally and for having a, a young adults ministry for, for our church is that Rally would become the engine room of our church, yeah. that 18 to 25 year olds will, will give their life to follow Jesus yep. every minute of their day and say, I'm gonna go all in for yeah. this. I wanna make yeah. disciples through kids bring and fuse and, and, yeah. and, and, and follow Jesus and, and see cities look different by, by the way we love one another and, yeah. and, and go in for that. And I would love to hear from you as, as in your context and the church that you're leading and you're, you're now going forth and creating that big spirit, that, that yeah. big capacity people, but what do you see within 18 to 25 year olds that gets you excited, that, that, that you believe in and, and, yeah. and in everything that you're leading? Yeah, uh, firstly, I think the, the, the passion is so massive. There's a real heart for people. It's obviously a heart for justice. I think there's a heart for, uh, they really wanna see change. They really wanna do something. I think all of that's good. I think all of it has to be focused. All of it has to be um, focused on something. And again, this is why it's so important to serve in a church and do something because all of that passion, if not used, will just be frustration. It'll just be a social media post or it'll just be outrage. And I guess so my, what I'm really excited about is also what I'm really scared of, right? Which is the outrage. And the reason that there's usually outrage is because there's all this passion and nowhere to pour it out, nowhere to direct it, nowhere to... So take all of that passion, take all of that, man, I wanna help people and pour it into the only thing that Jesus is building, yep. which is the church. Mm -hmm. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Paul goes on in Ephesians 4 and he says, God has made some to be pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists to help the saints do the work of the ministry, building up the body of Christ. This is how we build up the body, by serving in the church. So I hate to go back to the church, but I'm a pastor, so that's all I know. <laughs> that's all I, I believe in it 100%. It's not, not all I know, it's what I believe. That you take that passion you take that desire to help people. You take that, that, that love for justice and that love for, for God to, to change society and to want to change society, but then you pour it at least on some level back into the local church to raise up the next generation to, I, I'm telling you, it's so significant. And then it's no longer just a passionate post on social media but I'm actually doing something. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of young adults may look at their church and go, well, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. And it's like, my answer is, well, what are you doing? Let's do that. Let's yeah. do it in the church. Let's help more people. Let's feed more people. Let's serve more people. Let's help more people. Let's see more people saved. And so I, I love the passion and I want to pour it back into God's house because it is God's plan. It's what God does. It's what Jesus is building. I'm not, what I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, God doesn't use external ministries or, or uh, you know, other things like that. Of course he does. But what I'm just saying is take that passion, pour it into the house of God. Some ministries will feel very significant and you might just be thinking to yourself, oh, man, I'm just holding a baby or I'm just parking a car. Or, I'm just helping people get seated or I'm, you know, I'm playing guitar at a, at a random campus. All of it is significant mm -hmm. because that is what Jesus is ultimately building and that is how he is maturing us through the building up of the body of Christ. That is how he is growing us, maturing us, building us up through service in the body. That's what Ephesians 4 says and that's why it's so important and it gives our passion uh, 
something to do. Oh. It gives it a release point. And, and I'm passionate about that kind of stuff. I, I really care about justice. I'm, a, I'm an eight. You know what I'm saying? Enneagram yeah. eight. All right. I'm with you. If you don't like Enneagram, sorry I said that. But but that thing in me wants justice. That yeah. thing in me wants change. That thing in me. And so, but I express that through the church, through helping the poor, through, you know, City Light. We're so blessed that we get in, and New Spring would do even so much more than us. But I, I know that I'm helping people. I know. So I'm using all of that passion, but I'm, but I'm, it's not just frustration mm -hmm. it's actually service yep. and that's why um that's why it's so important that's what i'm so excited about with the next generation i think that uh my my call to the next generation would just be embrace what god does through the local church mm -hmm. and make it a part of your life it's beautiful yeah, don't separate from it. Yeah. yeah, and and man, I just wanted to say that that what you guys are building is something beautiful. I, I I've had the honor of coming and hanging. I was only for a forty eight period flying in, in with my buddy Dan and yeah. and coming in for him to speak at your church. But yeah. I I remember walking the the strip of of Vegas and having going out for dinner with you and coming to your church and and tangibly seeing the culture and things that you're doing. But the resounding thing I, I left feeling was that this is a man who is true to himself, who has a beautiful expression of, of a local church, but, but this, this church cares about their city. Yeah. And so I'd love for you to just speak to, through the journey of your life, is how have you stayed true to who you are, who God has made you to be, and sure you've learned from people around you, but how do you stay true in life to who you are, right. and how is that expressed through, through your, your church? Yeah, that's a, I think that's harder to do now than ever. I think for the, for you that are watching, that's harder to do than ever because of social media and because of uh, how much we're bombarded with image, style, personality, all of those things, which literally just do not matter. And so <laughs> who, you, who you are matters. Who God made you matters. You figuring that out matters. But God does not use style God uses who you truly are. God anoints people. Again, not ideas, not movements, not names. He anoints people. Yeah. So you figuring out who you are to me is the second most important thing in your life after giving your life to Christ. And here's the amazing thing about God. God wants to show you who you are. Mm -hmm. So if, if you would ever surrender to Jesus, I promise you, uh, that, that's, that's what the Bible says the, the Bible is. It is a mirror. It's pointing back at you, not just to show you your flaws, but to show you who you are, to reveal destiny, to reveal purpose, to reveal. And so if you want to know who you are and discover who you are, you don't do it through self-discovery as much as God discovery. Mm. And I, I've always been amazed by um, what God told Moses in Exodus 3. He said, Moses, Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he introduces Moses to himself. He introduces Moses to Moses. Mm -hmm. And then he introduces Moses to God. Mm -hmm. And so God reminds Moses of his name. And names were a big deal back then. And so Moses means to be drawn out, to be pulled out. And that's exactly what happened to Moses. He was rescued. He was drawn out of the Nile 
the day that he was saved as a child. God was bringing Moses back to, this is who you are. Yeah. This is why you're here. Don't forget who, Moses, Moses. This is, you're the drawn out one and now you're gonna draw out a generation. It was like the first thing that God did was remind Moses of who he was. And then he went, and I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is who I am. And this is gonna be very important. And, and those people over there are about to get delivered. So that's your mission. So there's this whole journey of God discovery, self-discovery, purpose discovery in, in Exodus 3. All of those things matter. All of those things are important. There's a transformational moment. Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. All those things matter. And so what I've learned is that as I learn who God is and as I tell God who he is, in worship, in prayer, in the word, God then tells me who I am. Mm. And that is such a massive part that is so missing in so many people's, they just don't know who they are. They have no self-awareness. And, and is that an art to be learned? Kind of, but it's more of a spiritual thing that needs to happen where God tells you, I had to learn who I was as a preacher. I had to learn who I was gonna be as a husband. I had to learn who I was gonna be. Like I, I, I did a thing this morning and preached. That's who I am, that's just who I, I didn't think about, am I gonna be like Brad Cooper or Clayton King or, or Dan Leanne or anybody else? I just, I knew, I know who I am, not in a prideful way of like, you can't tell me anything. Yeah. No, it's not that at all. True to yourself. But it is very much the discovery I, I had to, you have to embrace your, you know, you're embracing strength and weakness. You're embracing your personality. You're embracing who, who you are in Jesus. Not that you can't change, because we all have to be changed, transformed, molded, broken. I'm not talking about that. But I just mean, I, I had to get comfortable with, with, man, this is how God made me. And I'm gonna embrace, and I'm not trying to be anybody else. And I can learn from everybody, but I can't be anybody. Mm -hmm. And I think that is just such, it, there's there's peace in it. It's like you can be whatever you want to be. No, you can't. You know, I can't be LeBron James. Yeah, I could I could eat what he eats, and I could exercise the way he exercises, and I could practice as much as he does. And I'm never gonna go on an NBA court <laughs> yeah. and do that. Yeah, I don't. It's not in me. It's <laughs> not in me. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's just not. I don't have it. Yeah. I am five eleven on my best day with my highest shoes. You know, <laughs> I am not LeBron. And so as you're, you can't be whoever you wanna be, but you can be who God says you are. Mm -hmm. So finding that out is, and, and that's a whole other hour of conversation, how to, but it, but it doesn't start with backpacking through Europe for three months and, and going on mm -hmm. a journey of self. It happens through surrender. It happens through following Jesus. It happens through making Jesus Lord, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, direct, speak. It's by allowing the word of God to become your foundation and you learn who you are. You learn how to be comfortable in your own skin. You learn your voice. And again, this isn't just for preachers. This is for any, literally yeah. anything you wanna do in life. You don't have to live with insecurity. You don't have to live with fear. You don't have to live with jealousy. You don't have to live with gossip. All of these things you can, you can truly be free from uh, by truly discovering, because you know who you are and you know who you're not. Now, let me, I'll just end with this, maybe I know this, I'm going long. Um, they start asking John the Baptist, who are you? 
right? Some are saying you're, you're Elijah. Some are saying you're Messiah. Some are saying, you know, they're saying all these things. And John, the first thing out of his mouth is not, this is who I am. His first thing was, I am not the Messiah. John knew who he was and who he wasn't. It's awesome. You got to know who you're not yeah. and be cool with that. Like, I'm not that. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. I, I, I can't run at that pace. I'm not that. You know who you are and you know who you're not. So I'm, so, so much of, of, of learning this, and you can learn this. This isn't something that you have to figure out at 50. You can, you can begin this journey right now at 18, 19, 25 years old, um, is, is the embracing of, man, I know who I'm not. Yeah. I, I, don't th- I don't think I'm ever gonna go on that stage. I don't think that's my thing, mm-hmm. you know? Or, man, I, I know I'm not called to this. I know. So you figure out who I'm not. And then he says, I am not the Messiah. I am like one whose voice is in the wilderness crying. In other words, I know who I'm not. I know who I am. John the Baptist figured out his identity. God wants to help you figure out your identity, your personality, who, who you are, who you're not. And then you get so comfortable with that. Like my wife, she has never preached. She's never sang. She doesn't sing. Uh, she has no plans of ever greeting our church on the mic. It's just not her thing. Yep. So people all the time, so what do you do? What do you do? What are you going to preach? What do, you, <laughs> do you sing like Jabin? You know, just churchy, 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 right? No, no. And then, and then it's always half demeaning. And, you know, so what do you do? Yeah. Like I run yeah, four I'm, businesses, you idiot. You know what I mean? It's make like, it all happen. yeah, yeah, I make it all happen. There's the only reason he's still saved and alive is because of me, right? So it's like she, but she's had to learn how to just be so comfortable with, oh, that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. I celebrate Christine Kane or, or Meredith or any, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I am all, you go girl, you go. Yeah. You come preach at our church, but like that's not me. Yeah. And... That has, in her, has created so much confidence to just embrace. Not, not like, you know, I'll never be stretched or I'll never get out of my comfort zone. That's not what we're talking about. But truly learning who you are, you can. I think you should. And it's, it's made us an incredible team. Mm. Um, and I think it's part of our, you know, it's, it's part of what has made us, whatever you want to call successful or whatever, I think it's been part of our journey is truly discovering that and then out of that just functioning in total confidence yep. in that. And um, yeah, anyway. That's beautiful, man. And, and I think what a great great thing to think about that everyone's made uniquely and differently and, and rather than also, everyone being clones trying to be right, the same totally. thing, operating the beauty of yeah. the church and, and yep. different expressions. Which is why the church is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Because it is so, if I could, let me just throw this one at you too. In Acts 2, it says they were in one place in one accord. Accord come, is where we get chord, like a musical mm-hmm. chord. So a musical chord needs three notes. Without three notes, you don't have a chord. Mm-hmm. And so it's not about being a one note. We're all like this. We're all one. We're at New Spring and mm-hmm. we all look the same, talk <laughs> the same. That's, not what, that's, yeah. not, what we, that's what, not what New Spring wants. It's not what I want. It's not what God wants but within the chord, within the orchestra, within the mosaic. 
So there's, there is an expression for you. There is a place for you, there is, for your gifting, your calling. Yep. And yeah, they don't all look the same, sound the same, but all needed in order to, you know, and again, that's why the church is so important. Yep. Yeah. I'd love you just to take a moment and speak to, obviously worship has been such a big part of your story and as a yeah. worship leader and everything, but for, for people leaning into this, this conversation and, and maybe they want a greater depth and intimacy with, with God and, and this idea of maybe worship as a lifestyle or, or, or hosting the presence of God and yeah. any degree of encouragement of, of, of that to a young adult today yeah. of, of greater understanding and doing life with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you know, I think the, the first, like what you just said, worship is a lifestyle and I think it is, but worship is also singing. It is also beautiful. Uh, literally, from the original words, to fall on your face uh, before God. And so I think worship becomes a lifestyle that probably starts as a discipline. And so literally just worshiping in your car, um, singing, uh, being in the word, in prayer. I, I learned a long time ago, you have to have a time and a place for prayer or you won't do it. Mm. Time and place. Peter and John, Acts 3, are going to the temple to pray at the third hour. They had a time and a place. Mm. If you don't have a time and a place, you won't do it. I just kind of pray before I go to bed. No, you don't. You start and then you fall asleep yeah. and it doesn't work. You gotta have a time and a place. I have a place, I have an office, thank God. I, I, at this point, I have an office in my home. I have a chair, I have my prayer chair. Come on. It's where I pray. Yep. Doesn't mean I don't worship in the car. Doesn't mean, you know, I, I can't pray in bed before I go to bed. It doesn't mean I, but I have a place. I have a time and I have a place that I talk to God, that I commune with God. I learned that early, by the way. And so I, you, can, you can do that. Young people can do that. Young adults can do that. I have a time of prayer. Maybe it's 45 minutes to school. Maybe it's on that drive to work. Maybe I don't know when it is, but it's a time and it's a place. As you, as you develop it, the discipline becomes a delight. The delight becomes a lifestyle. The lifestyle becomes truly your destiny. And so um, worship is not personality. Worship is not for musical people. Worship is not for, for people with good voices. Worship is not for the real boisterous people that know how to lift their hands. Worship is... I'm nothing without Jesus. <laughs> yep. I need you, Jesus. Yep. I love you, Jesus. I can't believe you love me, Jesus. And it is that daily response. When I say daily, it doesn't necessarily mean seven days a week, but it does mean uh, there is this, this thing, in this rhythm in me that I have a time and a place where I connect with God in the word, in worship, in prayer, um, it is the air I breathe. It is, it is of utmost importance to me. And out of that, honestly, I mean, that's how I feel like that's where every vision has come from. That's where every desire has come from. Every dream has come from where, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was like, like I was dating Shannon and we were getting really serious and it was like, we're going to get married or not. It was in prayer mm -hmm. that I felt like you know, don't be weird and like go up to a girl and say, God told me to marry you. Yeah. But like, we were at that point of like, what are we doing? Yeah. It was like, it was in prayer that I felt, yeah. felt, I can't explain. It was like, and we got to get married. Yeah. We love each other. What are yeah. we doing? You yeah. know, we're, why are we playing on, games? Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you know, uh, 
It was in prayer that I felt like we were supposed to plant this church. It was in, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like all that I've done, literally everything that I've done publicly that people would say is good or a success or was birthed in a, in a private moment with God. In sacred. Where there was this knowing in your knower, which is, you know, a non, you know, a, a the, the Bible might say, <laughs> You know, uh, his, you know, his witness bearing witness with your spirit or his spirit, yeah, bearing yeah. witness with your spirit. However you want to say it, deep call into deep, whatever you want to, Bible word you want to use. It's like, it's a knowing. And it's like, it's just in here and it's deep and you, you can't pray it or fast it away. Yeah. But it all came from prayer. It all came from those quiet moments. It all came from the, the, the place that no one has seen, no one no one knows about, but it's where God has spoken to me, led me, guided me. Um, and so I, I live there. And, and, you know, you might be watching going, well, Jabin, that's important because you're a preacher. No, it's where we've made all our decisions. It's where, it's where I talk to God about buying homes. And it's where I talk to God. You know what I mean? It's yep. everything we do comes from that place. And not, I'm not some super spiritual, like, you know, God told me and you can't tell me different. But... Again, it's where I get my leading and my guiding. And then I can go to my board of directors and I'm, I feel this, you know. Or, and and Book of Acts talks about that in Acts 15 where the, the apostles are praying. And I love this. They prayed, they fasted, and they didn't say, thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, blah, blah, blah. They didn't say that. They said, it feels good to us and the Holy Spirit. Spirit yeah. Acts 15. It feels... It, I, I don't know, man, it feels right. <laughs> yeah. We fasted for three days, we're hungry. Yeah. You know, no, I don't, but like, man, this feels right. Mm -hmm. This feels good to, yeah. to us. Feels good in our, you know, I think what they were saying is it feels good here. Yeah. Like, yeah. man, I think, you know, and not I think, but I, it feels mm -hmm. from prayer, from fasting, worship, the word, comes these undeniable leadings it's great. What a great place to live. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you don't have to be 50 to do that or a pastor to do that. That's for every child of God. John 10, my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, a, that's a great thought of young adults meeting with God, contending with God, worshiping, totally. surrendering, and laying it all down. And I would love you to, as we bring our time to a close, yeah. Um, is there any final encouragement, anything you want to say to the young adults of, of our church uh, as we close? Yeah, you need good friends. You need really good friends. And so um, hang out with godly people. Uh, find great people and get around them. Uh, find a pastor, leader, voice in your life that can help speak into your life. And, and pursue it. Mm -hmm. Don't just, I, I think we're, we drift towards mediocrity. We drift towards laziness. We drift towards finding people that will allow us to be our worst. <laughs> so we have to press for pastoral covering, press for great friends, press to be in that small group or whatever you guys call them, mm -hmm. press to be in church, press to be in the right relationships. Uh, that would be the second thing for me. It's like I've developed a relationship with God and I've developed great friendships that keep me going towards Jesus. Yeah. 
And that, that is not just true at 37, that was true at 27, that was true at 17. Every, throughout my Christian life, I've, I've purposed in my heart to be around good, godly people that are keeping me going in the same direction. And that might mean you gotta lose some friends. That might mean you have to, you know, what I mean is the closest relationships to you, the people that are directly speaking into your life, those are believers. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we're not a witness to non-believers or that we don't have friends that aren't Christians, of course. I just mean my, my circle, my crew, my, those few, those, those three to five people that are, you know, they're believers and we're going in the same direction. We're all going towards Jesus. That yeah. is everything and they're healthy and they're not divisive and they're not, you know, now once they're Christian, you know, if they're Christians, they're not divisive, they're not gossips, they're not cynics, they're, you know, they're not critics. They're, they're, they're going in the same direction that I want to go in and you find that and you go, man, that sounds hard. It might be hard, but you got to break through. You got to, you, you make friends. Yes. You make friends. You got to, it takes work. Um, I'm friends with Dan because we get on the phone and we talk and we make time. I'm friends with Brad because we make time and we get on the, you know what I'm saying? uh, I have a good marriage because we make Make time. time, We're going on vacation after we film this to, you know what I mean? It's not just about, it's actually a responsibility of our soul and our relation. We're making, It, it doesn't just all happen organically, which I think again, when you're young, you kind of think things just happen. They don't, nothing just happens. Yeah. Everything takes, in, uh, uh, is intentional. Everything requires faith. Everything requires a decision. And on the other side of it is always God's blessing. Yeah. Well, I'm so thankful for you sitting down and take some time to Appreciate encourage you. the young adults of our church. And I would just love if you wouldn't mind just praying over yeah. um, uh, our young adults as we bring our time yeah. to a close. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and... Lord, I just thank you for uh, this amazing ministry. I thank you for your hand that is upon New Spring and upon these young adults. Lord, I thank you that you're speaking to us, you're leading us, you're guiding us. And Lord, I pray for every young adult watching, every person watching right now, uh, Lord, that you would lead them, that you would guide them, strengthen them, encourage them. Mm. So many of them are... Uh, in such a critical moment in their lives. So many decisions need to be made. Uh, So many prayers being offered up. And Father, I just thank you that you are close to us, that you are Emmanuel, your God with us. And I pray that, um, Lord, you would speak, that you would encourage. And Lord, I pray that you would give. I I just feel this for, for somebody even watching, that you would give them the courage to open up, you'd give them the courage to reach out. You'd give them the courage to ask for help. Mm. And Lord, I just, I break fear. I break that, that spirit that says you're all alone and no one would understand. Yeah. And Lord, I just thank you that you have brought them into this community and the right voices are in this community that can help them. And so, Lord, I just speak courage over them as, um, as they need to make those decisions. And Father, I pray you bless every person watching this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining the Rally Podcast. We hope it encouraged you. We'd love for you to be part of the Rally family. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and YouTube at New Spring Rally so you don't miss a thing.